Welcome everybody to the Mongols Preview Show. This is Steve along with Justin. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and the Beautiful Game Network. The quarterfinals of the USL Championship is in the books and the top four teams all advance. This means that our Hounds play host to number four, Louisville City FC at 7 p.m. this Saturday at Highmark Stadium. Whatever you want to say. Oh, those, I, sorry, that meant notes, notes. Uh, hi, Steve. Uh, how are we doing this week? <laughs> well, let's start that over. No, no, no. That's what I wanted. That was intentional. That was actually completely intentional. Uh, no, so we have we have uh, notes that we write out on a regular basis. And Steve literally put in the notes, whatever you want to say. So I thought I was just supposed to read, but, you know, I'm not. <laughs> so, Justin, is there anything you want to say about that? <laughs> no, not about that. But um, maybe let's just talk a little bit about how we got here. Obviously, as we all know, uh, the Hounds laid the hammer down on Birmingham with a 7 nothing performance last weekend. Four goals from Nico Brett, one from Jordan Dover. And the first ever playoff goal for Robbie Mertz, along with an own goal that forced, that made for a really good fireworks display mm-hmm. of That's goals right. on yeah. Saturday night. Yeah, it really was. I mean, um, I'm not sure if you all got to see that photo uh, that we had on the Discord um, of our smoke and then the new smoke uh, the Hounds have installed, um, but it had the players walking away. I mean, and it was just this awesome awesome display of smoke yeah. um, i mean everything was just yellow it looked fantastic um, i i love the one picture too uh that was like just a yellow wall of smoke with the birmingham keeper just standing there like mm-hmm. yep, what yep, in the yeah. world looking completely dejected <laughs> um yeah so uh so we got there really really nice and in style uh, as you just said uh louisville uh by contrast played what is likely the last ever game at Slugger Field because, I mean, there's very few circumstances under which another game could be played because they would have to beat us, the next team, and the West would have to go bonkers and a team below Louisville in the standings would have to be the other team in the final. So uh, playoff games, regular season games, adios Louisville Slugger Field. Uh, We don't have to see anymore. We don't have to deal with that crappy turf. yeah, so that's something I think that all of the USL Championship should rejoice about, not having to play on that field. Um, they did yes. it by taking down the Rowdies 2-1 to one after two first-half goals for, by uh, Magnus Rasmussen. Um, and I just want to say, um, I was out there last year for the game at Louisville. Um, the last two games that the Hounds played at Slugger Field, they won 1-0. It's just awesome, just saying. Yeah, you said something about the in the in there. You said something about the West going bonkers. I mean, the West sort of went bonkers this past weekend um, compared to the East, anyway. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, two road teams won. Phoenix had to go to a shootout in a scoreless game. You know, it's all it's all crazy out there. But the East was pretty tip yeah. top. You know, pretty Not easy. Not only did Phoenix have to go to a shootout. I mean, there were a couple times where I mean, they just barely got fingers to the ball or got a block that otherwise would have been a goal. I mean, they almost lost that game before it went to a shootout a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that, um, yeah, I think it's interesting that the East, you know, top four teams won. Yep. Everybody made it look pretty easy and pretty straightforward. 
uh, the West was not that way at all. The West so. was not that way. One more thing about that game. Uh, I came home after the match on uh, Saturday night, and I did not get home. I was one of the last people to leave the parking lot because uh, my buddy from Beaver Falls had come down to the game, and so we were catching up. Uh, and so, I mean, it was late. I mean, everybody else in the Steel Army was gone. The parking lot was empty. By the time I got home, I turned that Phoenix game on. And uh, I remember watching most of extra time. And then all of a sudden, I wake up and I see the last penalty kick because I had it on in bed on my laptop. And I was like, no, I just missed all of that. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> Dozed off. <laughs> So I think it's helpful always to start, I mean, and we usually start these podcasts by looking at home and away records and just trying to figure all that out. Hey, Pittsburgh at home, still 11 wins and seven draws. We have not lost the first playoff win for Pittsburgh since 2004, which uh, Dan Yost, thank you, 5,000 something, 44, I don't know, 5,000 some days since we've won a playoff game at home. So we'll take it. We'll yeah. take it. There are two things Dan Yost uh, just repeated the entire second half of the match was how long it's been since the Hounds have won a playoff game and seven goals is the chili goal. And then he had explained yes. that to me because I was not around during the, that point in Pittsburgh sports history. So I appreciated learning both of those facts from Dan Yost last week. Yes. Yes. Thanks, yep. Dan, for that. So the Riverhounds come into the match with a three-game shutout streak. They've only let in two goals since their last loss on August 17th. So that's 12 games. 12 game straps. They've won nine of those and three draws and have only given up two goals. So Riverhounds are in pretty good form. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty crazy that that's what they've been able to do is only give up two goals in that time. Um, Louisville uh, away. Um, uh, they're not bad. Um, they've gotten seven wins. Uh, they had five draws and five losses. So, um, kind of even, but you know, I mean, they are able to win on the road or find ways to draw. Obviously we know it's the playoffs. Um, if the game ends in a draw, it goes to a shootout. So somebody has to advance. So, uh, somebody's going on regardless. So, um, uh, I mean, you can look at that as for Louisville, uh, they've only lost five times out of, uh, 17 games on the road, uh, in the regular season this year. Um, and so, I mean, that's not bad if they can get a result, a win or a tie that gives them a chance to move on. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, in the time since the last match between the Hounds and Louisville, uh, they've only lost, uh, one time and that was a two, one affair down in Nashville. So, um, they've been strong on the road recently as well. Yeah, and I think I mean I think for everybody in the league, um, it's hard to win on the road. I mean, it's not an easy task to go anywhere else and win, just because of how uh, different every field in this league is, and how every place, mm-hmm. whether you're playing on grass or turf or a baseball field or a football field or, a, you know, you're playing on all, you have all these circumstances that change. You know, and depending on which team it is, you might play them twice on the road in the regular season and in the playoffs and play them in two different stadiums. So it's just like, it's totally, it's, it's hard to win on the road. So looking at a, a record like Louisville's seven wins, five draws, five losses on the road. I mean, the Riverhounds are nine, four and four. So it's not, they're not that different. Um, and I think, you know, just because Louisville is on the road, I think it's obviously going to be tougher for them, but I don't count them out because that's a pretty good record on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. So, 
Yeah, I mean, so I think it's, it just makes it interesting. So uh, one of the things I wanted to do real quick, and I think this is just some interesting statistics to kind of go back and look at. Uh, the last four games between the Riverhounds and um, and Louisville, um, Pittsburgh is actually two wins and two draws. Uh, Louisville has not won in their last four matches. Um, so going back to last season, June 27th, 2018, it's a one nothing win in Pittsburgh. I think you have that reversed. Um, did I have you it definitely have that reversed? It was a one zero win in Kentucky because I was there. Uh, okay, yep. maybe I do. Um, the only reason I remember so, that is I was there with my best friend. Oh and yeah, I was you're right. Only you're right. one cheering at the end of that you're right. game. One, yep, you're <laughs> in Slugger right. Field, one it was glorious. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I remember that. One nothing win in Kentucky. Um, the shots were fifteen to seven Louisville, which out of the last four games, that's the only game that they've had more shots than Pittsburgh. Um, and then the possession was six, uh, 63 to 37% for Louisville. Um, so a little bit later in the season, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, in Pittsburgh, it was a two, two draw. Um, the shots were 20 to three in favor of Pittsburgh and the possession actually reversed was 63 to 37 for Pittsburgh, which out of the last four games that they played is the only game that Pittsburgh has had more possession than Louisville. This season, uh, so one the uh, Riverhounds had a one nothing win in in Louisville uh, on April sixth. So both times in the first part of the season, we went down there and got a one nothing win. Uh, the shots were eleven to six in favor of Pittsburgh, and the possession was 40, 59 to forty one in favor of Louisville. Then on September seventh uh, in Pittsburgh, zero zero draw. So both times in Pittsburgh, it's been a draw, and the shots were 15 to eight in front of Pittsburgh in favor of Pittsburgh, and the possession was 56 to 44 in favor of Louisville. I just think that's interesting because it's pretty consistent that Louisville has more possession, that Pittsburgh has more shots, um, and the results have kind of been interesting because of that. Because sometimes you think that the team with more possession would have more shots or win games but that has not been the case yeah um yeah that's a really interesting rundown um to look at it and look at it that way and especially looking at it i mean you're talking about um the past two seasons where both teams are top tier teams in the east top four teams i mean uh last year louisville was second we were third this year we were first they were fourth um so i mean you're talking about teams top four, two years in a row playing against each other. Um, I think that's a fair comparison. We go farther back than that. And I think, um, sure, we could go and look at stats previously, but um, looking at the past two seasons, I think it makes the most sense when you're looking at how good these teams have been over the past two seasons. Yeah, and I I think part of that is like looking at the Louisville, uh, I mean, looking at the Bob Lilly era in Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh was a very different team before Lilly came on and played, you know, Dave Brandt had a very different style um, than, than Lily, I think. So I think it's just, I mean, I think that's why I kind of chose those two, those two seasons. Uh, obviously Louisville had their coaching change in the off season, but I don't think that they're playing that much different than what they've played in the past under James O'Connor. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think they're pretty similar to what 
they've played in previous seasons, even though they had a coaching change in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's do some comparisons. Um, and I'll note on this that uh, all these numbers are 35 games. So uh, that's the regular season and the most recent playoff game for both teams mm-hmm. this year. Uh, so defensively, what are we seeing? I mean, the Hounds, they lent up 30 goals in the 35 games. Louisville, they've leaked 42. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to give the edge to the Hounds there. Um, uh, when we're looking at some other things uh, for these teams uh, defensively, uh, success rates for tackles and duels were nearly identical for both teams. So 68% of the time, uh, the Hounds are successful in their tackles. And you're talking about 67.8% for Louisville. I mean, a 0.02% difference is nothing. Um, interestingly enough, their tackle or their duel success rate was 50.9% for both teams. Um, so I mean, it's just interesting, you know, both of these teams, they're going to be uh, making uh, a lot of tackles, they're going to be involved in a lot of duels, and, and it's going to be about 50-50 at that point. Um, Louisville, though, they've only kept a clean sheet in nine of their matches. We know that the Hounds, uh, uh, they have not let up games in 18 out of the 35 matches. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, one other thing that I didn't uh, write down for us, uh, but I went back through and looked, and of those clean sheets that Louisville has, uh, only one of those clean sheets did they end up scoring more than one goal. Uh, so eight of their nine clean sheets uh, came in games that were 1-0 or 0-0 ties. Um, so... I mean, I don't know what to think of that fully, but it definitely means that um, there's not a lot of difference between them and other teams when they are keeping other teams off the board. Um, so that's an opportunity for us, I think. Yeah, I think I, I think the thing about that too that you have to look at is, and we and we talked about this the last time we pre- previewed Louisville. I think you know they lost Ranjetsky, Ranjetsing, their their uh, keeper from last year uh, in the off season, and so they sort of. They've played Ben Lunt and Chris Hubbard have kind of played back and forth a little bit. Um, they both have a lot of games played, um, and so I think I think in that you're looking at a defensive, a pretty consistent defense with a new keeper behind them. So I think that always sort of changes things. Where Kyle Morton uh, didn't play a whole lot last year and was injured, but was around the Riverhounds, mm-hmm. so he was there. He was part of the team. He knows this defense yeah. and everything else. So I think that there's there's a little bit in there that says I th- I think this uh, I think Louisville is just some of it might have been defensive communication things like that. The other thing I think that's interesting about that Louisville leaks 42 goals in 35 games and clept a clean sheet in nine of them. That means they're not giving up big numbers in any other game though either. That that a lot of their games are one one two one one nothing you know these are the consistent score lines for Louisville they're not giving up four goals or five goals or six goals in a match you know at any point like some of these teams that we've seen before like Atlanta right. and Birmingham that'll give up four or five goals mm-hmm. in a match Louisville's not a team who's going to do that yeah don't quote me on this but uh, I believe their highest goals against was three um, and that was fairly recently I want to say it was against Swope Park Ranger but I'm not sure about that either I'd looked earlier but I didn't write this down but that was uh, an 8-3 game where they scored eight and gave up three so even then you're talking about i mean a really open game where they're giving up three goals um so yeah so actually just scrolling down their schedule real quick uh they lost three to two to birmingham um they lost three to two to swope park um in may they so they've given up three twice Mm -hmm. three times uh so far and then uh they lost to loudon three nothing in july um 
and then that a three game oh they had the five three game against new york too in september um and then they had that eight three game against swope as well so So you just named five five times they've given up three yeah so 15 of their goals came in five games uh so now you're down to um a few less i mean so yeah i mean you're looking at a team i mean they're just not giving up a ton of goals i mean and also in a lot of these games, like they have a game where they give up three, but they score right. five. They have another game they give up three, they score yep. eight. Yep. They have another game that they give up three and they score right. two. So it's not like, I mean, these games are a little bit, you know, yeah, I, I, those are just open, wide that, open that games. That is, but. I think, the USL. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. And, and just the sport in general where, I mean, crazy things happen from time to time. I mean, you saw, I mean, in the League Cup in, uh, in England the other day, I mean, a 5-5 game between... Arsenal and Liverpool. So, like, I mean, things happen. Things go crazy. Teams you don't exactly. expect to do exactly. things sometimes do things. And, and you can never predict what's going to happen in a soccer match. Um, so yep. let's look a little more offensively. Uh, Louisville, they probably move the ball a little bit better um, than the Hounds. Um, they've got an average of 486 passes per game, uh, which is uh, about 50 passes more per game than the Hounds, who are at 431. Um and their pass success rate is four points higher than the Hounds. Uh, so Louisville's at 79% with their pass success rate. So uh, I think that's one of those things that as you look as well, you look at their possession numbers. That's probably a big part of why that is. Um, though things do start to change drastically when you put these two teams in front of goal. Uh, Louisville, they are taking a lot more shots. Uh, they've got 431 uh taken over their 35 games, whereas the Hounds have only taken 326. I mean, so you're talking over 100 more shots in 35 games. I mean, that's almost three more a game. Uh, But they've only converted 14% of them. Uh, So that's a big difference. The Hounds, um, our boys in yellow and black, they surged back to the top of the league in uh, the game last week with a 19.9% conversion rate. And so that's just great to see. I mean, obviously, I mean, we were talking about it. uh, They were down to about 18 point something percent and then now they're back up to 19.9 because you know when you take uh 12 shots seven are on target and seven are goals that's pretty good for your numbers um but still i mean we were hovering between 18 and a half and 20 all season is that pretty good for your numbers when you put all seven <laughs> shots that you shot on goal in the net i mean i don't think you can get better any better than that as dan yost would say chili goal chili goal <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, I think it's an interesting team. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, Louisville has a lot of passes on the season. Um, part of that is they have a lot of good passers on their team. You know, they have a lot of, uh, a lot of players who have been in this league a long time, who know how to pass the ball, who have international experience. Um, and so I think that there are, um, obviously I think their midfield is a, pretty established midfield has been uh, most of them have been in Louisville a long time um and so they know how to play together where you know we're adding you know two of our most impactful midfielders and Anthony Velarde and Robbie Mercer rookies this year um and so I think that obviously that's going to look a little bit different but I think yeah I mean it's interesting that then but then when they uh when they get in front of goal (laughs) uh, they're not quite as good (laughs) So, um, but that's because, I don't know, the Riverhounds are pretty clinical when they get in front of the net. So that's just kind of overall team sort of statistics and and kind of comparison between the teams. Um, I think just talking about some players to watch, obviously there's 
a lot more players to watch on a team like Louisville than a team like Birmingham. Um, so I think we have a little bit more to talk about this week. Um, you look at goals. You look at uh, Magnus Rasmussen has uh, 15 goals. Luke Spencer has eight. Uh, Napa Matsoso has five. And Antoine Topano has four. Uh, now, I will say that Antoine Hopano was traded into Louisville midseason. He has four for Louisville. Um, the guy that they traded for him was Lucky McSana, who had 10 uh, for Louisville before he got traded. So um, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, obviously when you have a 10 goal scorer that you trade midseason, your goals are going to go down across your team. But you still had that guy who scored 10 goals who got you to kind of where you are. Um, you look at assist, um, interesting, it runs right down. So Oscar Jimenez has seven, Niall McCabe has, has six, Brian Omi has five, and Luke Spencer has four. So, inter- I mean, there's a lot of players that you can sort of watch and, and kind of look at as uh, the season you know goes mm-hmm. on. Yeah, and, and the one player coming up on both of those lists, uh, Luke Spencer. So, I mean, that means he's involved uh, in the attack and involved often and frequently because he's getting opportunities to score and getting opportunities to assist. So, I mean, uh, the other thing with that, I mean, I think you're looking at a team that has a number of different weapons. They've got goals Mm -hmm. uh, coming from a variety of different sources and a distribution coming from a a lot of other sources as well. So uh, a hard team to shut down because you can't just focus on one player. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting um, when you look at these two teams is the comparison of Oscar Jimenez and Kenny Forbes. So um, when you look at the two of them, um, Jimenez is fifth in the league uh, with in passes with 1,891 passes. Kenny's actually third in the league with 1,921. So they're only 30 passes uh, different. Um, and so that midfield battle is going to be interesting. But even if you go deeper in their stats, um, Jimenez has 34 games this season, 34 appearances, 34 starts. He's been subbed off three times. He has one goal to go along with his seven assists. Kenny is 35 games played, 32 starts, three times he's been subbed off, and he has 10 assists to go with four goals. So I think, you know, these two players are the key to both teams, and they kind of, they're the they're the clockwork in midfield. They're the kind of captains. They're the quarterbacks of the offense. So I think that they are two interesting guys to watch and kind of see their comparison. Um you know, see their comparison and their stats being pretty similar. Yeah, kind of nice, though, to see that Oscar Jimenez is kind of like a, a slight discount, uh, Kenny Forbes. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny's a little little better with the, uh, with the uh, I guess, six more goals or so that he's been involved in on the season. Uh, Speedy Williams, obviously, is a player that we need to talk about. Um, RMU grad Speedy Williams, which we'll come back to in a minute. But uh, Speedy Williams uh, is obviously a player to watch. Um, I do think it's interesting. He has 1,600-plus passes on the season. So a lot of passes. He's he's involved in the midfield. But he does only have one goal and one assist. So he's not that dangerous in attack. He just provides a lot of those passes that, that, um, that Louisville have. Um, obviously, defensively, another player we did not see in the game in uh, – September 
was Paco Craig. Paco Craig did not play in that game because he was suspended because he's got 12 yellow cards on the season. So Yeah, and he was suspended. Obviously, he was not there. And we didn't catch it because they had had a midweek game. Uh, and so yes. he got suspended in that midweek game that we weren't aware of uh, at the time of recording. And so, yeah, we kind of just missed uh, that, uh, you know, this could be something that we need to worry about. And then all of a sudden he was suspended and we talked about him and he wasn't there. Primo. He wasn't there for the exact reason that we talked about him. Um, can we get under his skin? Can we get him to commit fouls? Because he seems to commit a lot of them. Also, he does have 113 clearances. Uh, so he's a good defender. Um, he just commits a lot of fouls. So I think it's going to be... It's a little bit different from our defenders who are a little bit more um, tactical about their fouls or just commit less fouls. Um, but Paco Craig's still a really good defender. So... Um, that's always a good, good lineup or good lineup thing to look at and see kind of can, can Nico, can Steven, uh, you know, either get Paco to commit some fouls or can they, you know, can they score on him because he is a good defender? Uh, talked about the goalkeeping situation a little bit. Chris Hubbard, um, has played 21 of Louisville's games this season. He's 24 goals conceded, 68 saves, and five clean sheets. Ben Lunt has 12 starts, 11 goals conceded, um, and he has four clean sheets. I'm not sure how many saves, but I think that's just, uh, um, you know, Chris Hubbard played the game last week, so I'm assuming he's their number one, and we'll probably see him again this week, but they do have a pretty good backup behind him. So Yeah, I mean, both of those keepers yeah. can play. Um... And, and, and both of them are going to be players that I think we def definitely um, takes a little bit to beat, um, like you said. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. uh, they do lend in some goals, but even when they do, I mean, they don't lend in a lot in one game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, they're going to be looking, I think, to try to keep that clean sheet. We're going to be looking to uh, push through that. Um, and, and I think beating those guys, that's going to be key for us. Beating guys like Paco Craig. Um, make sure that he doesn't have the opportunity to, to get some of those interceptions or clearances. That's where we're going to have success. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, so uh, who do you see in the lineup? I mean, Josh, Mike, and Kev, they talked about kind of the Robbie Mertz versus Kevin Kerr uh, debate um, after Robbie's great performance, which was probably his best performance uh, as a professional uh, player last week. Um, but it's a really different team that we're playing. So, I mean, they had some different thoughts on that. Justin, what are your thoughts on who you think it's going to start this game um i mean i think obviously you want to go with your best you know you want to go with your best lineup um that you can you obviously have a lot of things happening in this game that i think are different than maybe other games and different things like that but um you're looking at a i would not um be i don't think i would be at all surprised to see a very similar lineup to what we saw last weekend I don't I don't think um yeah I don't think we'll go super different from um I don't think we'll go super different from last week I wouldn't be surprised to see that sort of flipped midfield um of Dabo um in front of Mertz and Kenny um I think that's a pretty that's a pretty strong lineup from the Riverhounds I think that's that's pretty good um in the game in september we saw actually all four of those guys because they did go a back four against louisville 
But Van Zeal was on international duty, so I think that was the reason we went a back four in that game. So we did see Mertz, Forbes, Kerr, and Dabo in the midfield. Um, but Tommy Van Zeal was on international duty, so I think that's why they went with the uh, you know slightly different lineup. Um, in the game in April, yes, in the game in April, uh, Velarde started that game, uh, Forbes and Dabo and Brett. Uh, and Dos Santos, so I don't, I mean, I don't think I would be surprised. I think that was before Robbie sort of became a really influential player in this team. Mm-hmm. So I, I would not be surprised to see the same lineup as last weekend with Dabo sitting in front of Forbes and Mertz, um, and then Kerr kind of as a late game sub. I think that's what I would, I don't think they'll change the lineup yeah. too much. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I don't think the lineup's going to change at all, actually. I think, uh, I think. My take is Bob is keeping Kevin in reserve uh, because he wants him as that guy that can really settle things down late in the game if it's close. Um, He wants Mm -hmm. him to be someone that comes in, that can uh, slow things down, play with purpose, uh, because he is. He's a much more finesse player. I mean, Robbie's a marauding midfielder at this point in his career. I mean, he's all over the place. Uh, but there's some risk to that because we've seen he can give up some some dangerous and some some rough fouls. Uh, so late in the game, there's you a... don't want to be giving that up. And the other thing is, I mean, I think if you're looking at a game that's tied going into overtime, you want that experience. You want someone like Kevin Kerr as one of your PK takers if it comes to that. And so uh, you know he's not going to go 120 minutes in a game at this point in his career. So keeping him on the mm-hmm. bench, I think, is where we're going to see him coming in probably uh, in the 70th minute if we're up by a couple goals or the 85th minute if it's a tie game yeah and I think I mean I think the other thing is if Robbie starts to struggle in a game like this where you do have a really experienced midfield on the other side I think that's where you can make a a halftime substitution and bring a guy like Kevin Kerr off the bench right at halftime you know if you're if you're struggling to to gain possession or you know uh any any form of attack because a, a young guy like Robbie might be struggling so i think that that's a i would i would think Kerr on the bench and then you bring him you know you bring him in when you need him if that's halftime if that's middle of the second half if that's the end of the second half i think you can kind of then bring him in when you need to rather than um you know, if he's in and then the Riverhounds start to struggle, then you're bringing guys like Velarde and, um, you know, Merce off the bench, which who knows what you're going to get at that point. So I think it is, I think it is probably safer to have Merce start the game. All right. Um, so, uh, one other thing that I think is interesting, uh, as I'm looking through this, uh, I mean, there's no statistical basis for this, but I just have a good feeling that we're going to see some good things out of uh, Duba, Steven Dos Santos, um, because I just don't think he wants to go uh, through the playoffs and let Brett keep scoring goals and him not get on that score sheet. So I think he's going to be hungry. I think he's going to see that we are a team that has figured out how to score and get some good distribution. I think he's going to be really looking for a goal. So I'm really hoping to see some good things from him. Um, and all and all of that being said, you say there's no statistical challenge, but I mean he was in he was in well, the he game was. last yeah. week too, yeah. and there was there was I mean he you know with a few better crosses here mm-hmm. and there I mean he puts one or two in the oh back for of the sure too I mean I think there was a couple where he just I mean just off you know I a couple that just skirted by the net too and and I think that there's just I think that he's 
I, he's in good form mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah. And I think. Yeah. yeah more I'm saying is I have nothing to gets base all the my time. assumption that he's going right. to be looking for a goal. He's a striker. Of course, he's going to be looking for a goal. I don't have data yeah. to back that up. But I just think like, you know, you're in a team where you see your teammates score four. And you didn't actually yeah. get chances or chances that you actually were able to put away because of a couple sure. decent saves for and sure. whatnot. You're going to be looking for that goal in the playoffs this week. Um, so I hope yeah. to really see him put one or two in and that just break things open. Um and I'm sure he needed some Tylenol after last week too, because he was <laughs> he was he got he was hammered. Getting, he was getting beat yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Justin, there is something that is pretty interesting, and you kind of alluded to this, um, and it popped up on the uh, Steel Army Discord, and I just thought it was a cool connection point, uh, uh, both to uh, last week's game and this week's game. Um, so first off, uh, it involves. Uh, Matt Geica, play-by-play announcer for the Hounds. Um, uh, it also involves Nico Brett uh, scoring four goals in college, which he did this past Saturday. In the game that he scored four goals in college, it was RMU versus George Washington, where he was playing against uh, Toby Adewole in defense. Um, of Brett's four goals in that game for RMU, though, uh, uh, two of those were assisted by Louisville's Speedy Williams. Uh, so just an interesting kind of tie-in between our two playoff games that we've got this season so far. Um, uh, four goals for Brett, two assists for Speedy Williams, and uh, Toby Adewole uh, on defense opposing them with Matt Geica doing the play-by-play in that game. Yeah, and the first... <laughs> I can't remember. It was his first or second goal... He either like Meg Toby or just got behind Toby. This <laughs> is the second just, one. I mean, the first made, one was a ridiculous just, chip. Just made Toby look real <laughs> bad. Um, and Matt like put when he posted, he was like, "Sorry, Toby, for posting this." <laughs> you know, Toby's um, gotten to be a much better defender as he's become a pro. Yeah, right, right. This is not. This is. It, Toby's no longer in college. Yeah, he's a yeah, very professional yeah. defender now. But it uh, it was a bad. Bad look on that clip, but uh, yeah, it was just interesting because Matt was like, that's not, uh, you know, Saturday night wasn't the first time I've called a four-goal game for Nico, mm-hmm. and he had done it once yep. in college, so. And seeing those um, other two players right. that are going to be in the game uh, on Saturday yep. on the field as well. Well, th- three with Toby, yeah. so. Um, so, I think, yeah, I mean, I think, it's, yeah, it was fun, fun clip to watch. Hey, so one other thing to mention before we go, um, and we've we've been a little bit long tonight, but I think Louisville is a much more interesting team to talk about than Birmingham. So um, than our last couple of podcasts. So sorry for sorry for the length of this podcast. We're getting to that thirty minute mark. So oh well. Um, but last chance to order your Mongols anniversary kits is uh, tomorrow, Friday, November first. Um, so make sure you get your order in. Uh, because you need to do it. Steve, what what number did you get on the back of your jersey? Oh, I got seven. That was my number. Seven. Uh, all nice. through high school, uh, all through uh, like when I played with my town and whatnot. Um, I, I mean, I was straightforward. Matty Ace, seven, because that was the jersey that I wore. Nice. What nice. about you? I got the number I got the number two. Okay. So uh, I don't, I don't know, um, really why I've never, I never wore that number growing up or anything like that. Uh, but since I've started watching soccer, I think, uh, one of the first players that, uh, got me into soccer was, uh, Clint Dempsey and obviously mm-hmm. his nickname is Deuce. Um, and so I think that that was, that was one of the things. And then another player that I really liked was Deandre Yedlin, uh, who wore two with Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I first got into soccer, those were kind of two of my first connections. So got the number two, obviously with, with my last name mm-hmm. as well. So went straight forward there. Didn't, didn't get any creative t- creativity on the back, but, yeah, but yeah. number two. So, 
So is there another Ashcraft jersey in your household, or is that one something different? Uh, I think she put something different on the back of hers, right, but I cool. can't remember what Well, it, that'll be fun. Like, I'm really was. looking forward to these jerseys coming out. I mean, they are an absolutely sick design. Um, they, yeah. I mean, I mean, Mike talked about it a little bit, like the number of iterations that went back and forth um, and how yep. we all had discussions on our Slack channel and whatnot. Um, but they came out absolutely uh, fantastically. I mean, Icarus did a great job. Um, I'm super excited about it. Um, super excited to see what everybody's doing yeah and and to see the names and the numbers on the back of people's jerseys yeah. how people choose to identify themselves as as uh exactly. part of the mongols cast as well as mongol fans yeah so and obviously a great chance to support community human services mm-hmm. who's doing a lot of great work in pittsburgh um and and doing a bunch of different things so some of some of the cost of every one of those jerseys is going to go um straight to chs um, hopefully we've got some fun ideas to also do some other support for CHS, um, and help them along in their mission to help, uh, communities in Pittsburgh. So, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to do that. Plus it's $40 for a high quality Jersey. Um, you know, instead of paying 90 or a hundred or whatever MLS teams are charging these days, it's $40 and it's a high quality Jersey. So make sure you get, that and like you said, Icarus did a great job. If you have not checked out Icarus yet, some of the stuff they're releasing, uh, besides our jersey, is crazy and fun and uh, just absolutely awesome. Uh, their Machu Picchu jersey that they just released on their website is uh, a killer navy or um, a neon green jersey and super fun. So make sure you check them out. Uh, whether you buy our jersey or not, but please buy our jersey. Yeah, and, and I'm going to uh, call out, I mean, that, you know, there was a lot of chatter on the Steel Army Discord about a local clothing company releasing soccer t-shirts and whatnot and hats and whatnot, and a bunch of people were going out and buying them for $25, $26, $28, and then you throw in 4 or $5 worth of shipping. Um, and we're at that point talking about t-shirts, like cotton t-shirts, compared to yep. $40, a couple dollars more, shipped to you no additional shipping charges for a custom made jersey with whatever you want for your name on the back and a number of your choice like you cannot beat that way better deal supports a great organization here in pittsburgh um and an organization that we're partnering with and can do some awesome other things with too yep so thanks to our other sponsor uh roughneck scarves official scarf supply to mls usl us soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com we're also part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go check us and other podcasts out at bgn.fm. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to our podcast, your podcast. Um, and so subscribe. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. And you can contact us online at Mongols on Facebook and Twitter, Mongols Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you think of the show and anything that we talk about. We love hearing from you. So until next time, which will hopefully be next week, previewing another uh, USL playoff game. Have a great day. I can't wait to preview another playoff game.